Oh, I don't think some of you upstairs heard me. Jesus is alive. How about you in the back? Jesus is alive. What he said he will do, he will do. What a privilege, what an honor for me to be here today with my wife and to just enjoy the blessings of Bethlehem Assembly of God. Your pastor and I are very, very, very good friends. I know what's going on here even though I'm not here because every time I catch up with him, I say, talk to me, talk to me. I want to know what God is doing. He knows what's going on at Calvary's Love Assembly of God in Johnson City, New York because he's always asking me, what's happening? You know what? We want to know what God is doing everywhere. Amen? The healer is in the house. I said the healer is in the house. The healer of broken hearts is here today. The healer of broken marriages is among us this morning. The healer of broken finances and broken relationships, the healer of broken dreams, he's here today. Amen? Look at your neighbor and say, Jesus is here. Come on, look at your other neighbor and say, you look awesome this morning. Some of you guys really have a hard time with that. You only see it to your wife. I know, I know. Look at some guy and say, you look awesome today. Several years ago, my wife, my wife is, I mean, she's like the Apostle Paul. You get around her, you're going to hear about Jesus. The last thing you want to do is be seated in the airplane next to her. She has a captive audience. You're going to hear about Jesus. Well, she was leading a whole team, this is several years ago, she was leading a whole team uh, in an outreach effort around Valentine's Day. And so they were going in the neighborhoods and knocking on doors. This was in downtown, uh, part of an area of our, of our community that's really uh, in great need. And so she had one guy that was with her, there was a whole team, one guy that was with her was a big, big burly guy. He was a biker, okay? But he got saved and loved Jesus. So he went on this outreach with her. And so she gave them some instruction that they were supposed to knock on the door, and then we're going to give these people that opened their door this wonderful Valentine card and tell them how much Jesus loves them and invite them to to church. So this guy, uh, he went into this building complex, and, and he knocks on the door. And when he knocked on the door, some voice inside said, What do you want? He didn't know what to say, so he kind of froze. The voice on the other side of the door said, what do you want? This big burly guy goes, "Uh, I got a valentine for you. (laughs) I've got a valentine for you. And the guy came to the door and opened the door, and I can't remember if he got saved, but it was just an awesome, awesome time. But Jesus is the God of miracles. How many faith people do I have in the room? I heard your pastor talking about faith. You know what? I believe, I'm just simple enough to believe that when God says something, He's going to do it. Now, I'm I'm natural enough to wonder how. You ever get caught up between the two? How is God going to do what He says He's going to do? But when my flesh and when my natural mind tries to override my spiritual mind, my spirit says, be quiet. Watch what God is going to do. I want to speak to you this morning. What a privilege to be here on Pastor Appreciation Sunday. Uh, You have a great, great team. You've already thanked them, but I hope you hug their neck after church. I hope you tell them not only today how much you appreciate them. I'm a pastor. I know what it is to pastor a church. I know what it is to face the challenges of all of that. But I can say along with these men and women sitting up here today, it's the greatest privilege I've ever had. It's wonderful. It's wonderful because God 
does so many marvelous things among us. I want to talk to us today, and I hope you're taking notes because none of us are as smart as we think we are. If we take no notes uh, in about a week, maybe in a day, what was the service like on Sunday? It was great. What did the pastor preach about? It was great. <laughs> what was his points? It was great. So I hope you write. <laughs> I hope you write a few things down, and if you don't want to, have your wife do it for you. She'll do it, I'm sure. I want to talk to us this morning for the time that we have left about this. Leaders of a different spirit. Leaders of a different spirit. Let's look at Numbers chapter 13. I'm going to read several verses to you this morning to kind of lay the groundwork of where we're going. Numbers chapter 13, starting in verse 1. It says, The Lord now said to Moses, Send out men to explore the land of Canaan, the land I am giving to the Israelites. Send one leader from each of the twelve ancestral tribes. So Moses did as the Lord commanded him. He sent out twelve men, all tribal leaders of Israel, from their camp in the wilderness of Paran. Let's, let's skip down to verse 25. After exploring the land for 40 days, everybody say 40 days. How many know that's a good, that's a good amount of time to see what's going on? Didn't just go say take a look, it says explore the land. Forty days the men returned to Moses and Aaron and the whole community of Israel in Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. They reported to the whole community what they had seen and showed them the fruit they had taken from the land. This was their report to Moses. Listen carefully what they said. It says, we entered the land that you sent us to explore. And it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. How many know that when God gives you something, He gives the best? Amen? God gives the best. A land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit that it produces. You know the story. One man was on one end of that pole and another man was on the other end of that pole. And they had grapes so big that it was bending the pole in the middle because of the greatness of the fruit of the land that God says was theirs. But, everyone say but, that will always get us in trouble. Don't say but when the Lord says, I'm going to give you something. Maybe you can't see it. Maybe you can't understand it. Maybe it looks impossible. Maybe you think, God, how would you ever do that? Don't say, but, because it always gets us in trouble. But the people living there are powerful, and their towns are large and fortified. They, we even saw giants there. How many understand the flesh always sees the negative? Are you like that? Sure you are. The fleshly side of us always sees the negative. I am so happy that God puts men of God in certain places at certain times with certain specific groups of people that He can take that group of people where they've never gone and overcome what they've never overcame and do what looks impossible because of the power of God and because of the different spirit that the man of God has. We even saw giants there. Here's another but, but it was a good one. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once to take the land, he said. We can certainly 
conquer it. When God says do something, we need to act quickly. Praise God for those three. That's what I say at Calvary's love. Thank God three got it. Maybe it'll spread. Amen? You know why? Because if we hinder, if we stop too long, if we think too long, if we talk to other people that are not spirit-minded people, if we talk to those that are caught up in the flesh, if we listen to our flesh, we will miss what God says we can do. Aren't you glad you have a pastor and a whole team that when God speaks, they declare it? When God speaks, they're happy they have a congregation. It goes both ways. They are happy, and so am I. We have a congregation that when we say, this is what the Lord says, they're ready to move. They're ready to go. They're ready to do something. Because it's important. It's important because of having a different spirit. But the other men, here's another one of those bad ones. But the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. You don't have to look very far to find someone that will disagree, do you? You can have three people and you'll have five opinions if you're not careful. Someone is always going to disagree with what God says can be done, with what God says should be done. And the man of God that is carrying a different spirit is in tune with the Spirit of God. So these other men explored the land and they disagreed. We cannot go up against them. They are stronger than we. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. When negativity is spoken, it's like a cancer that spreads. God gave us two ears, and I don't believe it was to listen to the negativity that is around us that the enemy tries to sow and plant in us. It is to hear from the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen? The land we travel through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. The enemy always blows it out of proportion. I realize there were some giants there, but I believe if a giant was 8 foot or 10, 9 feet tall, I believe the enemy made him look 15 feet tall. The people were huge. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm not a bug. Come on, tell them, I'm not a bug. Tell them, you're not a bug. A grasshopper is something you step on and it's over. The people of God are not like grasshoppers. We are the planting of the Lord, amen? We are the power of God. He chose to flow through us. What an incredible opportunity that you have for God to flow through your life. We are not grasshoppers. And then they said this, and that's what they thought too. There's always the faith perspective and the flesh perspective. The faith perspective and the flesh. Regardless of how spiritual we are, until the trumpet sounds and we rise to meet the Lord in the air, we have to deal with this fleshly body. We have to deal with this fleshly mind and fleshly attitudes. And I want to tell you a little story. I'm from Oklahoma. I don't know if you've heard any southern twang yet, but if you haven't, you'll probably hear it before I'm done. I've been so long it should be gone, but you can take the boy out of the country, but the country doesn't come out of the boy. Okay? 
But listen, in, in Oklahoma, everyone, everyone has some Indian in them. That's just the way it is. We all have some measure of Indian in us. So we understand the native Indian American. And so the Indian male, he's a man that is usually almost all the time a man of few words. Rarely does he speak. When he speaks, though, he has something to say. And so this Indian man had these two beautiful dogs that he had raised. They were big dogs. They were muscular dogs. They were powerful-looking dogs. One was jet black, and the other one was snow white. And he was out exercising these dogs, and they were running and jumping and just having an awesome time. And there was a man standing afar off admiring these two beautiful animals. After a little while, after a little while, his curiosity got the best of him. So he went over to the old Indian and he said to the man, he goes, you know what? These dogs are awesome. They are beautiful. He said, but my curiosity has the best of me. They're so powerful looking. He goes, tell me, tell me, which one of them is the strongest? And the Indian paused for a moment and he looked at the man and here's what he said. The one I feed the most. Did you get the point? The flesh the spirit. Not both are beautiful like the dogs. Which one is the strongest in your life at any given season of your life? It is the one you feed the most. Feed your spiritual man. Be men and women of a different spirit and watch what God will do. He will amaze you. He'll take you where you've never gone. You'll see what you've never seen. You will accomplish what you've never accomplished. You'll be more blessed than you've ever been blessed in your life, and you'll reach more people for Jesus than you can imagine. Amen? Even the shy people, even the introvert people, God didn't say you have to be like Pastor Steve and me. He'll use you just like you are. He'll use a shy person to reach another shy person. Hallelujah. He may use a shy person to reach an outgoing uh, extrovert. You never know. God will use you. Why? He created you to be who you are. He put gifts. He put talents in you just like he did your pastoral staff. Aren't you glad God put you all together? You see, pastor and congregation is like a marriage. It's like a marriage. There's days that you just love each other to death. There's days that you just get on their nerves. There's days that you're challenged to really stay united and stay together. But I believe that who God puts together, God will keep together. I believe when God speaks vision, I watch those names come up on the screen. A lot of those fit your pastor, if not all of them, but the two that kind of grabbed me was the one that said dreamer. Have you been around Bethlehem long enough that you know your pastor is a dreamer? The next one that followed that said visionary. Have you been here long enough to realize he's a man of passion and vision? Amen? How many are happy to be part of a church that's going somewhere? A church that's doing something. Hallelujah. We have another campus that we started several months ago, and when I brought on a campus pastor and he and I were talking and discussing whether God was putting us together, I loved the guy, he loved me, but I said, let me tell you right up front, I love you and I'll always love you, but we're not going to be on the same team unless God says we're on the same team. 
If God puts us together, we're going to be together. And I remember so vividly, he said something to me that ne I never forgot it. He said, Pastor, I'm just, I just want God to do whatever he wants to do. If he's putting this together, that's wonderful, and I love you. I've heard a lot about you. It just counted a privilege if, if he puts us on the same team. But he said, the last thing I want to do is get behind a parked car. <laughs> And I laughed when he said, he said, I don't want behind a parked car. I said, let me tell you something. Calvary's love is on the move. We've gone places. We're going other places. And if God puts you here, we're here to take territory for the glory and the kingdom of God. That's why we do what we do. Amen? How many know that Jesus made a difference every place he went? These people were people of a different spirit. Let's go to Numbers chapter 14, I want to read just a few more verses, and then I'll get to point number one. <laughs> Numbers 14 says, Then the whole community began weeping aloud, and they cried all night. Let me stop there a second. That's what happens. That's what happens when you listen to an evil report. That's what happens when you're more in the flesh than you are in the spirit. You will become overwhelmed. You will become so overwhelmed, you'll begin to weep and cry. You'll think God forgot about you. You'll think that you're going nowhere. You'll think your church isn't doing anything. But God wants us to be people of a different spirit. Somebody say amen. amen. Their voices rose in a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. The pastor always gets the blame if anything goes wrong. If only we had died in Egypt. Or even here in the wilderness, they complained. Why is the Lord taking us to this country only to have us die in battle? Our wives and our little ones be carried off as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? Is there anything in your past that you would want to return to? God has blessed you. He's delivered you from your past. No matter how difficult your day is today, it's better than the past. And where we're going tomorrow is going to amaze us what God is going to do. I don't want to go back to the past. Jesus set me free. He delivered me from the past. Oh, there may be a few victories back there, but there was more problems than I want to remember. And the last thing I want to do is return to it. I want to go forward. How about you? I'm going to go forward. How about you? You're behind a leader that's not going to live in the past. We'll thank God for the victories of the past, but he has more ahead. We've only scratched the surface of who God is and what God wants to do. Then they plotted among themselves. Let's choose a new leader and go back to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down on the ground before the whole community of Israel. Let me say right here, any challenges that Bethlehem Assembly of God has faced in the past or will face in the future, these men and women know how to get on their face before God and cry out for God to rescue all of us. Amen? Amen. Stand behind these leaders. Let God speak to you. There's one thing that a pastor loves is when people get on board. People want to go somewhere. People want to do something. People are ready to take territory for the glory and the kingdom of God. You want to say that to a pastor, you'll keep him on fire for God forever. Just get behind him. Two of the men who had explored the land, Joshua and Caleb, they tore their clothes. They said to all the people of Israel, listen to this, 
the land we travel through and explored is a wonderful land. You know why? God prepared it for them. Oh, yes, there were some battles, but God prepared it for them. It is a wonderful, wonderful land. It says, they said to all the people, if, if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us safely into that land and give it to us. It is a rich land flowing with milk and honey. Do not rebel against the Lord and don't be afraid of the people of the land. They are only helpless prey to us. What a different perspective coming from the two men that had a different spirit than the ten that were caught up in the flesh. They are only prey to us. They have no protection, but the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. Look at your neighbor right now and say, the Lord is with us. Why do you, why do, you do that, Pastor? I like for you to declare the Word of God, not just me up here and you smiling at me and shaking your head or saying amen. I mean, I love that, but I like for you to declare it as well. Look at your neighbor and say, the Lord is with us. Nothing can stop us. What God said we can do, we will do. How many really believe that? You believe that? I believe it with all of my heart. I believe You upstairs believe that? I hope that you that are downstairs, put that bagel out of your hand and get your hands up and praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. I was, when I was coming through there, coming upstairs, man, they're eating bagels and eating, drinking coffee. And of course, I'd had mine too already. And I'm like, Hallelujah. I hope you finish that thing before it's time to praise God. Amen. Why did Joshua and Caleb see things so different than the other ten? It's because they had a different spirit. Oh, I want that spirit. How about you? I can't live without that spirit. How about you? I don't want to go one day without that spirit. How about you? I remember one time Moses said to God, Lord, if you're not going to go with us, we're not going. God said, I'll, I'm mad at you. Now, that's the last thing you want God to say, I'm mad at you. He said, I'm really mad at you. I'll send an angel, but I'm not going. Now, if we're not careful, some of us will say, that's fine. I'll take an angel. Hallelujah. You know what Moses said? If you don't go with us, we're not going. I want that spirit. I can't live without that spirit. I can't pastor without that spirit. I can't be the husband I'm supposed to be without that spirit. I can't be the father or the grandfather or the pastor. I can be nothing without that spirit. How about you today? We need that spirit of God. They both allowed God to create in them a godly spirit. We were not born godly even if you were born in a Christian family. The Bible says we're all born in sin. One day, the Holy Spirit drew you like he drew me. And when he drew you and you said yes to him, ever since that day, he's been forming in you a godly spirit, a godly attitude, a godly perspective, a godly place in the local church. I believe the local church is God-designed. That's when he told you that this councilman or whatever, clerk or whatever he was called over here, they recognized the, the, I don't know if it's the power they recognized, but they recognized the people of Bethlehem Assembly of God, and they know that you folks can make a difference, even if it's just for one event that they're having. 
And I believe that God knows we're going to make a difference in everything that we do in Valley Stream. Amen? A spirit that says all things are possible. Nothing is impossible. What kind of a man was Joshua? Let me read two more verses in Exodus chapter 33. What kind of a man was Joshua? Exodus 33 verses 10 and 11 says this. When the people saw the cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they would stand and bow down in front of their own tents. Inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaking to a friend. After Moses would return to the camp, afterwards Moses would return to the camp, but the young man who assisted him, Joshua, the son of Nun, would remain behind in the tent of meeting. That's the kind of man Joshua was. He lingered in the presence of the Lord. He stayed in the presence of the Lord. He knew where the different spirit came from. He realized the source of who he was. And he couldn't get enough of the presence of God. How about you this morning? Do you linger in the presence of the Lord? You see, we live in a society that everything is instant and fast. If our computer takes longer than three seconds, we're ready to trade it in for a new one. What's wrong with this thing? I clicked on there three seconds ago and nothing happened. We live in the land of drive through instead of sit down and enjoy a meal and have conversation. And if we're not careful in our Christian homes, the TV and the computer and everything has our attention instead of our family. It's okay, I'll be gone. I won't be here next week. It's all right. I'll go, back to, I'll go back to Johnson City. But listen, listen. I'm a pastor. I have a pastor's heart. And I know the distractions that try to take the people of God away from the purposes of the people of God. And that different spirit only comes when we linger in his presence. When we linger in his presence. You see, God said that Caleb followed the Lord wholeheartedly. Ask yourself the question this morning. Be honest with yourself. Do I follow the Lord wholeheartedly? I believe you do on Sunday morning from 1030 to 12. You've convinced me of that. You've convinced me of that. But see, I don't go home with you. I don't know what happens in your house. I don't know what happens in your life. Answer the question to yourself. Do I follow the Lord wholeheartedly? It's important that you're able to answer that question. This, this was the difference of these two men. They were men of a different spirit. If you're taking notes, write this down. The presence of God will transform your life. How many has been transformed by the power of God? You're not the same old person you used to be. Has your behavior changed? Has your vocabulary changed? Has your actions changed? Well, who did that? Jesus did that. The presence of the Lord did that. He will stimulate your thinking. Before you came to Jesus, you got stuck. You got stuck. You got stuck. Now with the Lord, he pulls you out of that and sends you forth. He will energize your activities. He will motivate your actions. He will spiritualize your views. When you look at something, 12 men saw the same thing. Only two men saw it through the eyes of the Spirit. I don't want to be like the ten. How about you? 
I want to be a Joshua and a Caleb spirit. That's what I want. Why? That was the spirit of the living God. And one more that I wrote down here today. The presence of the Lord will adjust your attitude. I don't know about you, but every once in a while, I need an attitude adjustment. I'm like, God, what is wrong? You know, you know Adam said, God, it's that woman you gave me. Sometimes us pastors go, God, it's those people you gave me. What am I going to do with them? What am I going to do with them? Sometimes we need an attitude adjustment. Guess what? You don't belong to Pastor Steve. You belong to Jesus Christ. And Pastor Steve and his team have the privilege to minister to you. So when you get out of line, he doesn't have to adjust your attitude. The Spirit of God will. He will preach. He will preach and teach you the truth. He preaches against sin. I know he does. And Jesus will adjust us. You see, Israel came out of Egypt with the hope of reaching the promised land. How many are going to heaven? How many plan to go to heaven? Did you send, have you made your reservation? You see, I was coming down here, and I'm so happy that Gabriella made a reservation. Otherwise, me and Esther have been sleeping in the car. I came down here last night. She made a reservation. We had a nice room to sleep in. I sent my reservation to heaven when I got saved. Hallelujah. And I'm determined I'm not going to cancel that reservation or nothing else is going to cancel it. Joshua said, as for me and my house. Come on, come on, finish it for me. As for me and my house, what's going to happen? We are going to serve the Lord. And it doesn't matter how many giants, how much opposition. It doesn't matter what anyone says. God says, I love you. God says, I'm going to help you. God says, you're mine. Hallelujah. But you see, they, when they finally arrived at the border of the land, what God had promised, they faced some major obstacles that were in the way and roadblocks. They were giants. And you know what? You and I have giants in our life. This church has giants that your pastor has to declare that giant is not going to win. Giants are in our land trying to keep us from what God says that we can have. They couldn't seem to get around them. And they wound up disillusioned. They wound up discouraged. And the bottom line is they wound up defeated. Why? Because they chose to believe the evil report. Let me explain to you what that means. When God says he's going to do something, and we say the opposite, that's an evil report. That's a fleshly report. When God declared to them, this is the land that I'm going to give you, and he did it. He declared it to them, but they had an evil report. What is that? A fleshly report, a fearful report, a doubting report, a complaining report. And the Bible says it was an evil report. Why? It opposed the Word of God. It opposed the power of God. And the giants were trying to keep them out. We all have giants. Do we face them with a different spirit than normal? Our attitude, church, is influenced by the spirit that controls us. The dog that was the strongest 
was the one he fed the most. The spirit that we lean to will control us. If you lean to the spirit of the flesh, if you lean to the spirit of complaint and doubt, if you lean to the spirit that says, I don't believe what God says is possible, the Bible calls it an evil report. I don't want to be giving an evil report. How about you? I want to give the report of the Lord. I want to say what God has said. The Spirit of God that gives us. I don't have time to preach them, but here's five points. Write them down because really this is point number one. I'm going to preach one or two of them, okay? Here's the thing. The Spirit of God that gives us, number one, foresight. Praise God He helps us to see what others don't see. Praise God your pastor sees what some pastors never see. Why? Because they don't linger in the presence of God. What makes a pastor a great pastor? It's a pastor that humbles himself before God. It's a pastor that knows he doesn't have all the answers. It's a pastor that realizes there's giants in the land and I must get on my face before God. That's the pastor that's anointed, that has foresight. The Spirit of God gives us number two, faith. Number three, fearlessness. Number four, foreknowledge. And number five, fortitude to face the giants. Now, I don't get to preach on that one because I'm almost out of time. But let me tell you about fortitude. Fortitude simply means this. Strength of mind that enables one to endure adversity with courage. That's fortitude. Spiritual fortitude. Doesn't matter who comes against me. We're going to win because God said we're going to win. How many has read the end of the book? <laughs> when I was in school and we had to do a book report, the first thing I did is I went to the end and read it. I couldn't help myself. I had, I had to go read the end of it. I want to see how it finished. I've read the end of the book and so have you. Look at your neighbor and tell them we win. Come on, tell them like you mean it. We win. Amen. Glory to God, we win. That's what fortitude is, spiritual fortitude. Foresight. Let me touch on that for a moment. Foresight. This land was flowing with milk and honey. It was a land of blessing. It was a land of peace. It was a land of prosperity. And God already told Moses that he was giving them the promised land. I read it to you. Numbers 13, 2, the Lord now said to Moses, send out men to explore the land of Canaan. Now look what he said, the land I am giving to the Israelites. Did God know there were giants there? Of course he did. Did God know there was going to be opposition when they got there? Of course he did. But he said, I'm giving this land to the Israelites. All they had to do was believe the word of God, believe the will of God, follow the man of God. Would you say that with me? Follow the man of God? Now you're not following man, you're following God. But God chooses to flow through men and women. And he places certain people at certain places for a certain season of time. Our district superintendent, Dr. Dwayne Durst, he has a saying that I don't really like, but it's true. He says we all have a life, a shelf life. We all have a shelf life. That's for you and that's for me. I don't really like that because the older I get, the more I realize I'm getting old and the more I'm in denial. You see, I went in denial at 40 and I never came out. 
I told my wife when I turned 40, which was a long time ago, I said, listen, for the next 10 years, I just want you to know something. I'm in denial. The thing is, I never came out. <laughs> I don't like to think about the fact that uh, I have a shelf life, but I know it's true. So what are you saying, Pastor? Whatever you're going to do for God, do it now. Do it now. Do it now. Not one of us know if we're going to be here tomorrow. We all have plans, I'm sure, for tomorrow. Not one of us knows if we'll ever arrive into, the, into Monday. Not one. So you see, all they had to do was march in and take it and claim what he had already provided. What is it that God has already spoken to you probably during this radical series? Are there any radicals in this room? Oh, yeah. yeah there's some radicals here. You're following a, a radical pastor. You have to be a radical to stick around here. Otherwise, you're going to die. You're going to die. Radical. Well, Paul said we, have to, we need to die daily anyway, so I always say to our congregation, have you died today? Have you died? But you see, all they had to do was take it. God had provided it. So that is the foresight that we must have when we face the battles of life and we face and overcome the giants in our land. I close with number two. I'll leave the other three to your imagination. Number two, faith. Are there people of faith in this room? I mean really faith. Faith that when it's impossible, you still have faith. Faith that when everyone says it's not going to happen, you still have faith. Faith that when the doctor gives you a bad report, you still have faith. Paul said, whether I live or I die, I belong to the Lord. So what do we have to be afraid of? Amen? I don't remember. I, 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 I'm the same way at home. I forget what I said in what service. And it's even worse here because i got another one still coming. I only have two at home. But listen, I don't know if my wife said it in this service, but I know she said it in one of these two services already. When our daughter was 21 years old, our oldest daughter, she was diagnosed with cancer. I mean, that C word is a scary word. Well, let me just, let me go to the end of the book, and I'll tell you the before. End of the book, she's been cancer-free for like 12 or 14 years. Hallelujah. Cancer-free. But you know what the enemy tried to do to me? He said, how are you going to stand in your pulpit and preach on divine healing? I said, it's not about me. It's not about my daughter. It's about the healer. And I stood and I preached on divine healing. And I laid hands on the sick and I saw God heal people. And guess what? We were going through the fire at that time. Uh-oh. The clock always wins. <laughs> Faith. They had a different spirit. They believed the power of God when Caleb said, let's go at once and take the land. Oh, I wish they would have listened to him. When your pastor stands in front of you and says, God has spoken to me. I've been on my face before God and he spoke to me. I hope you say, let's go, pastor. Let's go. Not, oh, no, pastor, we can't do that. You've already done things that you're amazed, haven't you? Hasn't God already done things in this church that has blown most of you away? That's what happened in Calvary's love. I just can't believe what God does. And he keeps doing it. Hallelujah. Faith is what it's all about, church. Noah had great faith in the power 
in the presence of God. He spent 120 years building that boat that they called the ark in the face of ridicule and opposition. And you know what? For 120 years, not one person got saved. I told pastor in the first service, I said, I'd have a hard time with that. How many times do you think that Noah had to question, did God really say to do this? He kept on building. He kept on building. What's wrong with that old man? He kept, it's going to rain. Are you kidding me? It never rained. A flood is, are you kidding? It's never flooded. He kept on building and kept on building. It's about faith. And you know what, church? It took faith for him to take his family and put them in that ark and let God close the door. That wasn't an easy thing. Faith is never an easy thing, but faith is the way of God. Faith is the principle of God. Everything is built on the Word of God and the faith that we have in the Word of God. It took faith, but he did it. Elijah, it took faith for him to climb Mount Carmel and face 150 priests and prophets of Baal. It took faith for him to challenge them to a showdown. How many remember the outcome of that showdown? The fire of God. They poured water all over it, and the fire of God came down and consumed everything, even lapped up the dust. God rewards faith. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Father God, I thank you today. I thank you for who you are. I thank you, Lord, for what you've done already. I thank you, God, for what you're going to do. I thank you, Jesus, that the giants are nothing in the eyes of God. They're impossible to us, but they're a small thing for you, God. It's a small thing. I can't help but believe that speaking to a congregation this size, that there's many of you in this room that are facing some kind of a giant right now. And you want to be a person of a different spirit that says that giant is nothing in comparison to my God. If that's you today, I want you to stand to your feet. We're going to pray for you as we close this service. Come on, if you're facing giants, nobody's going to ask you about it. It's between you and God. But if you don't stand up, then you're not being a person of faith. You say, Pastor, Pastor, I've prayed for this for two years. Well, let's pray two years in one day. Let's do it again. If you're facing a giant, stand up. Stand up. If you want to be a person of a different spirit, that giant has roared, that giant has yelled, that giant has acted up in your life, but you're standing up today saying, yes, I have the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God always trumps the spirit of the enemy. Nothing. It may be your children. It may be your marriage. It may be your finances. It may be another relationship. It may be your job. I don't know what the giant is. It may be your health. Stand up in the name of Jesus if you're facing a giant. And while you're taking just a maybe 30 seconds to think about whether you're going to stand or not, so many are standing. I'm just giving everyone a, just a few more seconds. How many remember little David, the shepherd boy? and Goliath all these mighty men of war were hiding behind the rock shivering out of fear no one could take this man how many know that giant was nothing for God nothing and David stood there with his sling 
Oh, he had taken out small animals with that sling. I'm sure he had knocked a lot of cans or bottles over. He was deadly with it. But he was swinging this thing around, and that giant was defying him. But he was really defying his God. And when he released that stone, who guided that stone to the very one place that it could take the giant down? The Spirit of God. But church, let me tell you something. He hit the ground, but he wasn't dead. It knocked him down. It knocked him out. And if you read the story, David didn't stand there and go, look what I did. No, no, no. The Bible says he ran. He didn't walk. He ran to that giant, pulled the sword from that giant's shield, and chopped off his head. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying when God speaks, run. Run. How many remember that movie, Run, Forest? <laughs> run, Forest, run. Well, I'm going to say to you, run, child of God. Run toward that giant. Why? God will take him out. Now, the Lord sees every person that's standing. I'd like everyone else to stand. And if someone's standing near you, put your hand on their shoulder. We are the body of Christ. We're the family of God. We need to not pray for ourselves right now. I want you to pray for someone else. Put your hand on their shoulder right now. Everybody else that's seated, stand up. Put your hand on somebody's shoulder. Come on, let's declare the power of God. That giant is going down. Why? We are people of, the, of a different spirit. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke those giants. I respect. I rebuke a wrong spirit, a wrong attitude, a wrong perspective. And in the power of Jesus Christ God, slay the giant in front of us and let the Spirit of God rise up within us in your mighty, holy name. Hallelujah. Slip up your hands and let's thank Him that He heard our cry. It's a simple prayer, but He hears the sincerity of your heart right now. Something's happening. Something's happening in you. You're going to see it in the coming hours, in the coming days that's ahead of you. You're going to see that the Spirit of God moved. He moved on Pastor Appreciation Sunday. And something miraculous, something supernatural has taken place in this room. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. Glory to your name. Glory to your name, Jesus. How I need. On this day, Past Appreciation Day, there's only one thing that would make me really happy, and that is that you would recognize your need for Jesus every day of your life. And that every one of us corporately in this place, here's the gift that I'd like for you to give me today. This is the only gift. Pastor, we're going to go together. We're going to take new territory together. We're going to kill new giants together. We're going to be a family. We're going to take new territory for Jesus together. We're going to do it together. As one body, as one people, we're going to do it together. We're going to slay some giants in our lives. We're going to slay them together. I'm going to ask you to do one thing. It's a quarter after 12, and there's people already lining up for the next service. But before we, we leave this place together, let's just all join together and just extend your hand towards another person all across the the aisles today everywhere we can just extend your hand towards somebody i know your hands a little sweaty wipe them off okay who cares right but let's just be one body amen let's be one body grab the hand of somebody next to you right now let's just be one body say yes lord we can do it together 
We're going to slay some giants together. We're going to see God do some great things together. We're going to plant new churches together. We're going to reach new people that are lost together. We're going to reach the world together. Hallelujah. Come on. Hallelujah, Lord. We thank you for what you're going to do, Lord God. Lord, we pray right now, God, that you would bind our hearts together, Lord. God, that you would knit our hearts together, Father. God, that we would be visionary people, God. That we would be people of foresight, God. That you would reawaken our faith, oh God. God, that we would have fortitude, Father God. And God, we would know, God, that together we can do all things, Lord God. Because, Lord, you don't bless good ideas. You bless unity, Father. So we pray for the power of your Holy Spirit to follow this place, Lord God. And, God, we thank you for what you're going to do. You are a great God, an awesome God. In the name of Jesus, I pray. And everyone said, come on, raise your hands and say, I need you. My one defense, my righteousness, oh God, how I need you. Come on, raise your hands saying, I need you. Oh, I need you, Lord, I need you. Every hour. Thank you, Lord. We march together. Hallelujah. 